All-star game. Nothing personal. Word of the day. Took a day yesterday. Wanted to collect my thoughts on everything that had gone on. No, that's not why. But I missed you all. Thank you for missing me. But we're back. All-star game. Nothing personal. Word of the day. I don't think Coca did anything other than lay in the fetal position yesterday, waiting for the national championship game, trying to see whether he'd win our bracket. But he's with us today. Welcome back, Coco. Hope you had a good weekend. All-star game. We got to get into it. Biggest story of the weekend still going on. Responses are fast and furious. You must know what I'm talking about already. Major League Baseball decided that they were not going to hold the all-star game in Atlanta. Here's what happens in Rob Manford's office. Atlanta was chosen years ago. The way MLB chooses all-star games and all-star locations is based on stadium financing. It's based on which owners speak up the most, which owners are owed favors, which communities are owed favors, because it is unlike the NBA where teams really don't line up to host the All-Star game because it screws with your season tickets holders so badly, and it's such a pain in the neck. In baseball, we all want to host the All-Star game. It's great for the economy. It's great to say that our community's done it. It's great to show off your ballpark to the world and the country. It, the home run derby, I, I loved hosting Ulster Game in 2017. Worked my ass off for years. Everyone did in the company. We had, you know, 50 committees. And I was very public after the Georgia bill passed, which in my opinion, having not read the bill, okay? I admit it, I didn't read the entire bill. When's the last time you read a whole bill? Lucky if I read the bill after dinner. There's so much pork in the bills. I didn't read the bill. I read the summation. It's like legal research. If you read enough summations from different sites that have different axes to grind, you're generally going to get an idea of what the facts are, and then you can make your own conclusions. It's hard for me to respond when people in favor of the new law in Georgia say, hey, listen, this gives more accessibility to voters. But then when you look to see where the ballot boxes are open later, it's in all white red places. And where it's more difficult is in all black blue places. But anyway, you just have to go into a little depth and decide where you stand. But when you have a company who does business in Georgia, and I was wrong. Listen, I went on Levitard and I said, and I don't think we did it on the show, Coca, but I was on Levitard and said, they're not, they're not moving the game. There's too much involved. So the Georgia bill passes. The commissioner sits with his deputy commissioner, Dan Hallam, takes a deep breath, takes a drink, lines up the drive and says, oh, Christ, we got a problem, don't we? What are we going to do? I think we got to move the game. We can't move the game. We should move the game. How can we move the game? Well, we can maybe move the game, but should we call the events people first? No, we're not going to call the events people first. When we tell them it's moved, they'll figure it out. What about the owners? We got to call the owners. Don't call the owners. Let's decide what we want to do. Then we'll talk to some of the owners who I know will support it because by the way, not everyone's going to support it because our owners are a bunch of white red people. Most of them. So we shouldn't do that. Well, what about the executive council? Yeah, it's true. We got to meet with the executive council. That's the rotating board of eight members, eight teams. They're given information like two hours before everybody else. 
It's really why being on a board is nice. You get information faster. It's not like management is all that interested in dealing with the board, right? If you ever dealt with a board, it's one of those things you have to deal with, a necessary evil. But when you're management, you don't want to do that. You got to meet with them four times a year, blah, blah, blah. That's the executive council. So Rob is running baseball and he says, all right, get back to me. I need to know two things before we make a decision. And I need to see one thing. The two things I need to know are one, what's going to be the response? Two, from who will the response come? Three, where's it going to go? There may have been time in between moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta and moving it into Coors Field where it was announced it's going to be, but that's time that you didn't know where it was. Baseball did not cancel and move the All-Star game out of Atlanta without already knowing it was going to be at Coors. I promise you that. Hey, don't worry, we'll find a place. No, that doesn't work. Hey, it's fine, we're good. Someone's gonna step up, who wouldn't wanna host it? Let's worry about that later. No, that you worry about that now. So Rob sends Dan on his way to get some info and gets the following response. All right, Rob, we have a statement for you, crafted by Pat Courtney, likely. The statement is going to talk about how woke baseball is. It's going to talk about the fact that we will not tolerate voter suppression and we will not reward a community where its leaders elected and otherwise choose to operate in this arena like this. Okay. This is the hill we're going to die on. Got to choose one, don't you? I think we've learned that in 2020 and 2021. It's hard to choose every hill, but you choose a hill. As a matter of fact, that expression makes total sense. You can't choose more than one hill to die on. So Rob Manford decided he's going to pull the game, calls up the executive council, tells them. Then he calls the Braves. Now, for those of you who saw the Braves response, you may have been thinking to yourselves, wow, the Braves really just did a big up yours to MLB. The Braves really did not agree with this decision. The Braves were not consulted on this decision. No, folks, that's not how this works. The Braves statement was a press release that said the Atlanta Braves are deeply disappointed by the decision of MLB to move its all-star game. This was neither our decision nor our recommendation, and we are saddened that fans will not be able to see this event in our city. And then it goes on. Unfortunately, businesses, employees, and fans in Georgia are the victims of this decision. Now, of course, very few fans, season ticket holders, get to go to the game because seats are taken by sponsors and all the teams get seats and MLB takes a bunch of seats. You're kicked out of your suite. MLB takes over all the suites. They take over all the best seats. There has to be a commissioner's box, et cetera. Businesses, I guess they're impacted. I'm wondering how much business was done. Coco, where was the NBA All-Star game this year? I'm completely blanking. I thought it was done in a place where they said, don't party. Could it have been Atlanta? I can't imagine that's true. But there was some place where the it was in Atlanta where the mayor came out and said, don't come, no tourists. But I guess with all the vaccinations, maybe there's more tourists coming and Atlanta was expecting more tourists. So maybe there are businesses impacted by that. The businesses who were, had contracts like all the hotels who had contracts for all the rooms, 
all the food service providers, bus companies, restaurants, offsite party venues. Employees are the victims of this decision. Which employees? The Braves employees? Because they worked so hard on having the All-Star game and then it was pulled from them. True. That would stink. But here's what's not written in this press release. What's not written is the following paragraph that was left out. I got a call from Rod Manford where I was told that the Atlanta Braves would not be hosting the All-Star game and I was asked my opinion. I said, I really don't have an opinion. I'd like not to have the game moved, but maybe for the best, in the best interest of the game, it should be moved. But I just want to know that we're going to get it back. There's no All-Star game in 2023 to 2025. No site's been announced. Can we have one of those years? Rob, are you there? Rob, hello? Rob. Rob, I know the Dodgers have the game in 22 and the Philadelphia Phillies have it in 26, but what about 23, 24, 25? Can we have one of those games? I think things will be more calm by then. We'll be past the midterm elections. What? Midterm elections? This is baseball. And that's the issue, folks. When you choose the hill of politics to die on, and I'm not saying I disagree or agree because I haven't gotten to my point of view yet, and boy, am I going to. You got to be ready to walk that same hill again when you have your second life and third life and fourth life. Is baseball going to choose to only do business in liberal cities and blue states? Most cities are liberal. That probably is a, what's the word? An oxy, not an oxymoron. It's a redundant. The Department of Redundancy Department, blue cities. I wonder if that's where they got blue highways from, Coca. I don't think so. Anyone out there know why it's called blue highways? I wonder were the markers of the highway actually blue or was it combining blue cities before there were major highways? So Rob, are we gonna get the All-Star game back? Well, I can't, I can't say. Well, why can't you say? Because we haven't decided exactly what this decision means. We've gotta decide whether or not this is a one-off decision or whether or not it's gonna be part of our new flow chart of decision-making. We've now hired a firm who's gonna read every bill passed in every major league city. And if we don't like them, they're not gonna get a jewel event. Well, Rob, that's not true. There's no way that you ever read any bills. Did you know what the hell goes on in Miami when you gave them the All-Star game in 2017? For come on. You know very well that you do All-Star games as paybacks to communities who put money into ballparks and infrastructure. You know very well that you do World Baseball Classic according to where there are roofs and where players want to play and where players want to be. You know that owners' meetings go to communities where it's convenient for you to fly to. Why do you think there were meetings in Arizona every year? Because that's where Bud lived. Now we got to read every single bill, make a decision on every single political decision made by an elected body, an elected official. Holy cow, are we in trouble right now? I'll have to get back to you. No, no, Rob, I just, I got, we got to do a statement. Here's what you're going to do. We're going to help you write the statement. Your statement's going to say that you hate us. You disagree with us. You love Georgia. You love your fans. And you are very disappointed to be so powerless in the face of this commissioner's actions. 
well, wait a minute, Rob, can we also make sure that all the money that baseball gives and donates that they're going to donate still to Atlanta? That's a very good idea. We're going to do that. I'm going to put that in my statement too. Well, what about Colorado? Are you going to do double donations? So are we going to take care of the community in Colorado? I mean, they've had a lot of issues there. They just had the shooting. We can do something positive there, right? But make sure you don't do that to the detriment of Atlanta. I'll get right back to you. No, no, Rob, I, I, I got to tell you, this statement's coming out. All right, I'll show it to you first. That's what happened. Atlanta showed MLB the statement. MLB approved it, saw it, agreed with it, and let him send it. Do you think the timing was a mistake that Rob's statement came first and then the brave statement came after? It's all planned, folks. It's all planned. But this has had an impact. I wouldn't have moved the game, by the way. I want to tell you why. Because while I do think that there is a intersection between sports and politics, and I do that on the show, I think it's critical that players not shut up and dribble. I think it's critical that all of us not shut up and dribble. I think it's critical that we're all educated. I think it's critical that we all make decisions. I don't think it's critical that we're all Democrat or that we're all Republican. I think it's critical that you are what you believe in. It is very dangerous when I am running a company to make a decision based on what I perceive to be pressure from one side or the other, either side. While it's important to make the best decision for your company, and when you can take the moral high ground at the same time, that's called a bonus victory. And I may get a lot of shade for this, Coca, but it's not as easy as you think to make decisions that are both in the best interest of your business and the morally best decisions. It's actually the opposite. Do you think when we're making decisions on ticket prices, that's in the best interests of our consumers? Or when cable companies are choosing what channels are available or how much they are, or streaming services are, cho are choosing what's behind the paywall, what's not? You think that the best interests of the customer is what they're thinking about? We all have to say it. We're here for you, we say. First one you do, first thing you do when you win a championship, we want to thank the fans. We love you fans. Without you, we're nothing. We've got the best fans in the world. Every team which wins has the best fans in the world. Definitionally, that's incorrect. When you make a decision like baseball did, the reason I wouldn't have made it is that I wouldn't know what next was. Because as I told you a few minutes ago, Rob Manford now has to look at every decision over the next decade because that's how long this will be referenced. A decade, the decision to pull the All-Star game. And the next time baseball does business with a company, with a country, with a state, with a region, with a community, where there is something that goes against the majority or against the moral majority or against people's perception of the moral majority, you come out looking like a hypocrite. So it's hard because I don't want to be paralyzed by that fact and not do anything. But you do things 
in stages. So MLB has a huge governmental arm, a huge lobbying arm. MLB, if I were commissioner, would have made the following announcement. While I've spoken to players who have all indicated that they will not show up to Atlanta and people and players and the players alliance that was formed after the death of George Floyd have indicated that they will boycott the all-star game. While certain sponsors have expressed to us some concern over what's happening in Georgia, I've made the following decision. The All-Star Game will go on as planned in Atlanta. And as part of the weekend festivities, we will be holding educational seminars. We will be posting online an explanation of the bill that passed. We will be giving a forum to people who are in favor and against the bill. And we are going to educate our players, our fans, and our owners. As an organization, the owners in baseball have voted to not donate to any of the politicians in Georgia who voted in favor of this bill because they were not in favor of it. The owners were not. In addition, we are gonna celebrate the life of Hank Aaron. And it is a perfect opportunity to remind people the importance of equality the importance of eliminating racism and your knowledge that baseball will be in the middle of that process, not just yesterday, not just today, but forevermore. And that's a powerful statement to make. The statement of pulling the game. What is that? All you've done is make something more polarized. You've hurt a country today, son. It's a movie reference. Now, by the way, Marco Rubio's response was ridiculous. Governor Abbott of Texas's response was even worse. Can you imagine being so delusional when you're the governor of Texas, writing a letter to your hometown team? Because of MLB pulling the All-Star game out of Georgia, I will not be accepting your invitation to throw out the first pitch. We had a mayor who wouldn't throw out a first pitch, and I responded as follows. Dear Mayor Jimenez, I don't care. Love, David. Marco Rubio wrote a big letter to Rob Manford. Rob Manford is shaking in his shoes. Dear Rob, how you doing? I'm Marco. My state is a complete dumpster fire. I really thought I was going to be president in 2024, maybe 28. Now the governor of Florida is ahead of me. That guy named DeSantis. I lost to a reality show guy who made fun of me. And then I had to pretend I loved him for four years. And now I'm totally screwed. My time has passed because people realize I can't even be a good senator. We're a good local speaker of the house. Jeez. My career's in trouble. So I have an idea. I'm going to post a video to Instagram wearing a hat and a shirt. Or better yet, I'm going to write a letter, dear Commissioner Manford. I write you to ask whether you intend to maintain your membership at Augusta National Golf Club. As you are well aware, the exclusive members only club is located in the state of Georgia. No, it's not. Wait a minute. Rob got that letter. 
He called in his assistant. He said, excuse me one second. Um, where's Augusta again? Oh my God. I didn't know that was in Georgia. Thank God Marco just sent me that letter. Can you imagine Marco has assistants who work for him? And I feel terribly for them. Career enders. But and they wrote that wrote this letter for Marco. Marco approved it. And Marco said, Yeah, we got to start by telling him that Augusta's in Georgia. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I'm well aware. He asked whether or not Major League Baseball is going to stop supporting China and various other genocides that are going on around the world, asking whether or not they're going to support the Chinese Communist Party. Cuba, I assume he'd ask about. I just found it to be an outrageous letter. So I've been I've been in the commissioner's office when uh, actually in the commissioner's office when they get letters like this from politicians. I don't know if you know this, but politicians do this all the time. They send letters to the commissioner and it starts with dear commissioner. And so what they're doing is they're writing these letters not to get a meeting with the commissioner, not to get a response from the commissioner, not to actually effectuate change. They're writing it so they can be on record as doing something as the senator or the congressperson, right? It's, it's, it's what they do. So Marco sees this as an opportunity to appeal to Trump's base by writing this letter as a way to try to get some sort of momentum toward 24 or 28. It's just a poor choice of issues. It's a poor choice of wording. And when, when the commissioner gets these letters, I've been with the commissioner when he got these letters, um, he looks at them, smiles, and then throws it away. That's it. Maybe I should do a letter on nothing personal. Dear Marco, thank you for your letter. I would like to tell you that being Harvard educated, I was aware that Augusta was an exclusive club located in Georgia. Furthermore, you should know that I just shot a 77 the other day. <laughs> Fourth of all, why don't you worry about your own state? Leave me alone. There's nothing you can do to me. Love Rob. I'd write that letter actually. Where do you hire people to write these letters? People want to be in politics so badly. Their chief of staff want to be chief of staff. They want to be close to power, perceived power. They want to work in for teams. People want to work and they want to be around leaders. They want to help them. But how do you get found? How do you find the right person to work for you? Well, small businesses have always shown an incredible ability to adapt, innovate, and survive, even more so this past year. Now, another way you can adapt and grow is by finding the right people to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs helps you do that for free. Get started by posting your job for free. How many times can we put for free in this read? Get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's vast and diverse network of 740 million professionals. It's free. Fill out targeted screening questions. It's free to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience, skills, and motivation you need for your business. It's free. Then with simple filtering and management tools, you can easily review, rate, and hone in on your top candidates. It's free. LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person for your role fast. And your first job post is free. Don't forget the small print. It's not all free. It's your first job post, but that could be enough. 
Just visit linkedin.com slash Samson. That's linkedin.com slash Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, to get your first job post for free. Coco, I want to get the second job post for free too. Can we work on that? LinkedIn.com slash Samson, terms and conditions, A-P-P-L-Y. Speaking of why, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. I can't touch my feet right now because I'm sore, but if I did and I could lift my leg over my neck, which would cause probably some sort of subluxation. I'm wearing half-baked socks. Thank you, Nancy, my sister. It's that day again. If you go back to previous shows, you'll know how many pairs of socks I have. It's a rotation. So you want to talk to Samson's from the movie Half-Baked? And believe me, you're going to want to be. Here's the question. Get into my Twitter, David P. Sampson. Get into the DMs, ask a question. I'll try to get to it either on Twitter or on the show, maybe at the end of month mailbag episode. But this one was very current and trending. And when you do that, you have a really good chance your question's going to be answered. What were the Padres thinking giving Tatis Jr. that deal knowing about his shoulder injury? <laughs> what were you thinking? I like questions that are short, simple to the point, and funny in how we can answer them. What happened, you're asking? Well, good morning, everybody. If you're listening to this on, I don't know what day it is, Tuesday, April 6, 2021. Last night, the San Diego Padres lost a game to the San Francisco Giants. Fernando Tatis took a big swing and fell to the ground. He crumpled to the ground. It looked like something happened to his arm, hand, elbow, and then he walked right off the field and you realized it was his shoulder. Then word comes out after the game that Fernando Tatis has been suffering from some shoulder issues for quite a while. Quite a while. He's had 143 games in the big leagues. I don't know what that means, quite a while. Like since he was a kid, I knew him as a kid. He didn't have shoulder problems. Did San Diego know? That's not the question. Did San Diego care? And the answer is no. When we signed John Carlos Stan a $325 million contract back in 2017, or I don't know what year it was. It wasn't 17, obviously. It was 2000. Maybe it was 2014. Who can remember? We knew that he had had a history of injuries, but his, his injuries were mostly soft tissue. He was a very hard body. He had just gotten hit in the face by a fastball by Mike Fires. We were worried that he'd never take another at-bat. If so, would he be the same? Would he recover? He was certainly going to look good again. But we knew that he would play. We were confident. It's not like a pitcher coming off Tommy John or coming off labrum surgery or a player who has a degenerative hip condition. And we agreed to sign Stan. When we asked what number it would take for him to say yes, we gave him the number. He said yes, and we moved on. That's what happened in the Tatis situation except totally different. They didn't need to sign Tatis that year. He was not going to be a free agent anytime soon. He wasn't even close to arbitration. The Padres, who keep two sets of medical records, which you all know, which is completely against the rules in baseball, totally screwed the Marlins doing that, but we reversed that trade when they hid from us Colin Ray's elbow issues, and then Ray blew out. They knew exactly about Tatis, no matter what medical records his shoulder issues were in. 
And they said to themselves, from a position player standpoint, he'll be fine. He could DH if he has to later in the contract. We can move him from shortstop to first base, maybe from shortstop to second base. He can play anywhere. He's the face of baseball. We need him to be a Padre. Let's lock him up right now. And we'll worry about insurance litigation later. Well, shoulder, shoulders are no joke, folks, but they do not cause careers to end. They do cause gold glovers to become DHs, as happened to Marcelo Zuna. They do cause above average shortstops to become below average shortstops. They do not cause an inability to hit. What will happen here is that Tatis is going to need surgery at some point. They're calling it a shoulder subluxation. That means his shoulder popped out. Have you ever seen that in a movie where the shoulder pops out and then they pop back in and it hurts super bad? Well, what happens when your shoulder pops in and pops out and you say, hey, I'm good. Who remembers the World Series last year? Anybody? I do. Do you remember when uh, Cody Bellinger did a celebration on a home run and hit Kiki Hernandez and they do their forearm shiver and it actually uh, hurts Bellinger and it impacted his fielding? I remember that. I was furious when that happened pretending I was an executive with the Dodgers. I'm not furious if I'm the Padres right now. I put the face of my franchise under contract. I already swallowed hard knowing I did it way too early and paid him way too much, but I wanted to take the momentum of Darvish and Snell and how exciting it, it was to potentially catch the Dodgers. The fact that we have Machado and Hosmer and Myers, who they tried to get rid of to anybody. They would have traded Will Myers and Eric Hosmer to any one of 29 teams, any one of them, and would have paid part of the contract down. No one would take them. But now they're all excited. So they're not going to let this injury hurt that excitement, and they're never going to give you an indication ever that there's a possibility that they made a mistake. What will be interesting to me to see is whether or not they allow them to have surgery, because when you pop your, soldier, your shoulder in and out too often, it starts happening more often. And every time you pop your shoulder in and out, there's a consequence to the shoulder, to the tendons. It will take surgery. It's not even a wait to see because it's too easy. Tatis is going to have surgery on his shoulder. It's going to impact his throwing. I shouldn't say that. I don't know which shoulder it is. Maybe his left shoulder. I'm picturing him at bat. Coke, is it his left shoulder? I think it is, in which case it will not impact his throwing or his hitting. It'll just impact his service time because he'll get time on the DL. He's going to have surgery. The Padres are going to try to wait as long as possible until it actually becomes impossible to wait anymore. They have no regrets about the signing right now. Those regrets come later, and they will have nothing to do with the shoulder. Remember, he hurt this again in spring training, right? And we said, don't worry, he'll play opening day. Well, he's going to play again. He may be out for a few more days, but I do not think they'll cut the cord because if they do the shoulder surgery, his season becomes in jeopardy and the Padres are not going to blow another 10% of Manny Machado's $300 million contract. Not going to happen. Okay, thank you for that. So you want to talk to Samson. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that Coco won't watch, but he should because it's not rated well on IMDb, but in nothing personal, we're going to talk about it. And then we're going to talk a little bit of Mets. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. 
Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Today's Tuesday, April 6th. We're back. Missed you all yesterday very much. Thank you for coming back, downloading, subscribing, following, telling your friends about Nothing Personal. I do appreciate that. We watch a movie every day. We review a TV show or a movie. I am knee-deep in Good Girls. I'm going to have a review this week. I finished season one. I'm halfway through season two. Big fan, but we're going to talk about that another day. We're talking about a new movie that came out called Concrete Cowboy with Idris Elba. And I think the boy's name is Caleb McLaughlin or McLaughlin. It is about the black cowboys in Philadelphia. I had no idea there were black cowboys in Philadelphia. I've been to Philadelphia twice or three times a year, 18 straight years, staying in my little shell, in my bubble, going from hotel to steakhouse to ballpark, to bar, to hotel, to steakhouse, to nightclub, back. Liberty Bell took my son to Philadelphia on a trip and we visited all the sites. One site we didn't visit were the black cowboys who live in Philadelphia. I'm talking about in the city of Philadelphia where they actually, this is a true story. Concrete cowboys as in the horses are on the street. It's not that the people are homeless or the horses are homeless. It's a, a community of city cowboys. I thought it was made up. And then I realized that it was nomad land all over again. Nomad land is where people who are nomads were in the movie Nomad Land playing themselves. The movie ends. I'm looking at the credits. Holy crap. The stars of the movie I thought were amazing actors and actresses were actually Fletcher Street Cowboys in Philadelphia. If you want to listen to IMDb and not see the movie, then you're Coca. If you want to listen to me and take a chance on an hour and 40 minutes or an hour and 50 minutes where you're going to learn something and see interesting performances and learn that there's a whole world outside of your bubble, then you're going to watch Concrete Cowboy. I'm not sure in any way, in any way, that Steve Cohn has watched Concrete Cowboy. He's a busy guy. He's watching the New York Mets. Am I too small on the screen now? Coca has me sitting on four pillows, by the way. If you're listening to this, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you're watching on YouTube, you do. But during the course of the 45 minutes, we don't edit it. We go straight through. I, I tend to slink down because my tushy sort of slides off the multiple pillows that are on top of each other. Because yes, I'm 5'5". Five five. All right, Coca? Steve Cohn isn't watching a movie a day. He's got to run a multi-billion dollar hedge fund and he's got to own a new team and he's got to get that team to the World Series and he's got to prepare to meet the media before the season kicks off. And he had a few extra days to prepare because their season got delayed because of the Nationals COVID outbreak. So Steve Cohn meets the media 
and he stepped in it. Not surprising, right? I can't imagine that Steve Cohn got any media training. He should have. What do you think Steve Cohn's going to be asked about? If you were in the media in New York and you've got your normal preseason availability, I did it 18 times. You meet the media before every regular season. You meet the media after every regular season. And then you meet the media around the all-star break. And then you meet the media every single time there's an issue. Other than that, you're never meeting the media. Who knew that being a president of a team was so media related? You don't picture that when you're in college, do you? I want to be a player. You don't picture all the practice you have to do. I want to be a president. You don't picture all the stuff you got to do, media. Anyway, what are the two questions? Did you guys come up with your answers yet? Anybody? Come on. Number one, winning World Series. Steve Cohen said, oh, thank you for asking. I'm not going to predict the World Series out of the gate, Cohen said. But what I do think is we're going to be really competitive. That's good. He's sticking to the script. Don't say it, Steve. Please don't say it. Oh, God, he said it. I do believe we're going to make the playoffs. And then once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen, right? So I'm pretty optimistic. The team looks good to me. And I think the fans are going to really enjoy this team. Uh-oh. I wonder whether the fans enjoy blowing leads in the eighth inning when DeGrom pitches. I wonder whether the fans care that Steve Cohn signed Lindor and traded for Carlos Carrasco and traded for Lindor and signed James McCann. Nope, that's fun during the offseason. Feels good, gets the ego of every owner all pimped out and hyped up. But guess what happens when the ball drops? No one cares about your offseason anymore. The New York Mets opened their season last night. Jacob deGrom pitched like Jacob deGrom, pitching 100 to 102 miles per hour. Our Cy Young Award winner, who we predict will be the Cy Young Award winner, on nothing personal, had a great start. Guess what? The Mets lost 5-3 to the Phillies. Mets gave up five runs in the eighth. I'm picturing Steve Cohn, game one. Game one, I'm not a meddling owner. Game one, I'm good. I've got a day job. I'm watching the game, getting ready. Oh my God, what? No, you promised me, Sandy, we wouldn't blow any eighth inning leads. Get rid of that guy. Oh, we just signed Trevor May. Get rid of the other guy. Oh my God, we just signed Aaron Loop. Well, keep DeGrom in. Well, we told you we were taking him out after six innings and 77 pitches. No, you didn't. Well, we told Louis Rojas that he can't go seven innings. But, but Sandy, he was great for six innings. This is a conversation that happens between owners and GMs and presidents. If the lead is not blown by Trevor May and Aaron Loop, hey, good decision. I'm glad we followed through on that. We got to save DeGrom. That's critical. We're going to need him through October. Very, very smart, Sandy. Oh, God, the Mets lost. But Steve Cohn wasn't done talking. Second question that you come up with if you're Steve Cohn, if you're talking to Steve Cohn, what do you think it is? You know. Tell me about Lindor. And here's what Steve Cohn said. He had to have been prepared. When you have an owner meeting the media, you give him Q&A because you know exactly the cues that are going to be asked. So you give him what the A's should be. I've gotten to know Lindor. I've had a few dinners with Francisco and he's a special guy. He's got a winning personality. He's a leader. They love him in the clubhouse. He brings intangibles that you need if you're going to win championships and obviously a great ball player besides. 
I think I'm good friends with him and we text all the time. And I think the Mets fans are going to love this guy. I've got a little note to every president, me included, every owner, Steve Cohn included. For all of us who think that our players like us because they text us or hang out with us because they like us in a clubhouse or hang out with us because they like us after a game or before a game, I assure you, the minute Francisco Lindor is not a Met or the minute you are no longer the owner, your special relationship with Lindor will be over. I've had a few dinners. It's very special. I guess that's speed dating. It had to be speed dating. They just traded for him. I think I'm good friends with him. Steve, can I just tell you a quick thing about Francisco Lindor and every other player? They're courtesans. And if you know that going in, it's going to make it much easier for how to operate. They are paid to make you believe that they like you. Good luck, Steve. You really got a chance here. It's okay. It's early. It's early. It's early. It's early. Nothing personal pick of the day. Last Friday night, we had the Dodgers beating the Rockies. Trevor Bauer was going to have a no-hitter. No-hitter alert. CBS HQ calls. Get ready. And I said, I can't do it. I'm with my son. No, no. Get ready. It's a no-hitter. I said, a no-hitter. We're in the fifth inning. No, no. It's the sixth. Oh, God. It's the seventh. Get ready. I used to do the same thing. Start saving bases and saving balls. There's going to be a no-hitter. Meanwhile, Bauer gave up four runs. But the Dodgers prevail. They beat the Rockies. We are 42 and 28 on the nothing personal pick of the day. We got a good one today. The Orioles swept the Red Sox and then Stanton hit one of his majestic grand slams to give the Orioles their first loss last night. And they get to back it up with Garrett Cole. Guess what? Yankees over Orioles. I don't care if it's four to one. Call your guy. Go on William Hill. Whatever the number is. Garrett Cole over the Orioles. Guaranteed. Nothing personal pick of the day. Wait to see is where we say things are going to happen. And either they will or they won't, but we'll get back to it. I promise you. Way back in March of 2021, I guess that's over a month ago, there was all this talk about Sam Darnold and all these quarterbacks being traded. And I said unequivocally, the Jets will not trade Sam Darnold. I was wrong. The Jets decided they're going to try to get back a sixth round pick and two second round picks. And they're going to send him to the Carolina Panthers who are going to match him up with Teddy Bridgewater while the Jets are going to use their third pick to choose another quarterback, reset the clock, and try to find their next quarterback of the generation because that's what Darnold was. I guess I was wrong on that one. They got the second overall pick, Coke, of the Jets have, so they can take whoever they want except for Trevor Lawrence, right? All right, good luck. Wait to see is on Nick Castellanos, a little baseball. People are up in arms about this. I'd like to understand why. Nick Castellanos got hit by the Cardinals. The Cardinals hit people all the time. They hit him because Nick Castellanos hit a home run and he did a little bat flip and had a little fun. So the Cardinals plunked him. Then Castellanos scored. Then Castellanos sort of flexed to the pitcher. Then the bench is cleared. Then Castellanos got suspended for two games. Let the kids play. Let them have fun. During the time of COVID, you cannot do anything to incite a brawl, period. He was suspended two games. He is appealing. That means he can play until the suspension appeal is heard. And then the suspension will be brought down to one game. And that'll be it. Wait to see. The Nick Castellano suspension of two games will become one for that brawl with the cards. 
And we close today with what you've been waiting for. The NCAA tournament's over. It's time to declare victory. Congratulations to the Wisconsin Badgers for winning the NCAA tournament. I'm so happy. We'd never won one. I'm a, I'm a alum of the Badgers. I'm so proud of them. It's amazing that they were able to get past Baylor in the second round and then ride that wave all the way to the title. On Wisconsin, baby. So we did the MPDS pool. There were 470 people in the pool. What place did you finish in? I personally finished in 290th. Not sure why. Ended up with 64 points. I thought that was the goal. Aren't there 64 teams in the NCAA tournament? One point per team? I figured I won. The winner of the NPDS bracket is CBS. Huh? Yes, the games were all played, all in Indianapolis. No one cared. Everybody watched. Everybody gambled. A fantasy come true for CBS. The winner of our pool is not Mark Emmert. Yeah, he had a tough March. Tough March. It's going to get worse in April, Mark. The winner of our pool. You got it. Ben Albright. You had 142 points. You finished in first place. You had Baylor winning and you won. We are sending you a prize. We have your email, which sounds creepy, but it's not. Maybe it is creepy, Coca. How do you have his email? I think he found you somewhere on Twitter or something. We will contact you. But the rest of you are in the game. Because Matthew Coca finished in 238th place. Meanwhile, he finished ahead of me, and that's all he cared about. 237 people finished above him. That means 237 people, except Ben Albright, were eligible to win a raffle. Because we told you, if you sign up for the NPDS bracket and you beat Coca, you have a chance. So we put one to 236 in the number randomizer. We hit play, go, randomize. And guess what, Raymond? You finished in 196th place and 196 was the number. You won the raffle. Raymond Davis, if you're listening to this, you've got two days, two days to contact Coca. Two days to respond to Coca's outreach. Two days or we re-raffle because you're going to get something really cool because beating Coca is all this was about. I mean, finishing first is nice. Congratulations to Ben. Congratulations to Raymond. Congratulations to all of us who got to watch March Madness. Is there anything better? It occurs to me as an NBA lover watching NCAA, the difference between the NBA game and the NCAA game is so significant. I'm watching some of the players on Gonzaga thinking, unlikely they're going to be in the NBA. But that doesn't take away from how amazing it is to see amateur players play a game how wrapped up the entire country gets into this tournament, the closeness we all feel, the way we get to know the stories, the teams. Congratulations, Baylor. First ever national championship. And you're going to find out very quickly how great it is to be a champion. That's our show today. And remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.